Welcome to another episode of Late Night with Tamir Benali, and today we have Catalina Toth, who is studying at Harvard, and she's doing a joint concentration in government and French with a secondary in psychology. And today we're going to be talking about the school that she's attending, which is very famous all around the world. And basically, I want to discover what it's all about in reality, not just, you know, the perceptions that people have. So first of all, thank you so much for joining. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I'm really excited to get it started. So the first thing that I want to ask is what did you think of Harvard or Ivy Leagues in general before you started attending and how did your views change since then? Yeah, I mean, I think um, growing up in Canada is maybe a little bit different than in the U.S. I didn't actually think much about them as a possibility. So I think they were just sort of a far away world that I didn't feel like I would ever be part of. Um but yeah, I think just this kind of aura of inaccessibility was um, was really what I thought of them. Um, and I think my perception has changed. Um, I mean, I am the same person that I was when I was in Montreal with all of my friends, you know, a lot of whom are at McGill. Um, and so that aura of inaccessibility has sort of faded. Um, but yeah, I mean, Definitely, it's a wonderful place, um, but uh, I don't know. I think the mystery does a, does a lot for it. Um, if you're sort of um, in the application process, it seems very mysterious. And once you get here, that, that kind of fades. And so would you say that you kind of felt that way as soon as you started? Or like how long did the, the mystery last? Um, I think definitely into freshman fall. Um, I mean, in some ways it actually, well, I think it fades once you start taking classes and you feel like um, you have a place in the university and you're kind of, um, you start to feel like you belong. Um, but at the same time, you meet all of these people who are quite um, kind of unique. You have, you meet all of these sort of fresh out of high schoolers who are just passionate about physics and that's all they talk about and who are passionate about English and that's all they talk about. And so you're sort of surrounded by these people who know exactly what they're interested in and who are in many cases kind of like brilliant. Um, and so that in, I think in the beginning contributes to the mystery and contributes to the feeling of inaccessibility. But um, as you start to feel like you're um, part of it and kind of part of this like wonderful group, um, then it starts to be uh, an amazing feeling. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, because I actually, I visited Harvard in um, 2016 when I was doing a family trip to Boston. And mm. I remember like, you know, I had all this excitement and I thought it was going to be this crazy, you know, thing. And then I get there and I'm like, like, it is a gorgeous campus. Right. But at the end of the day, I'm like, it's a school, right? Like yeah, it people, is. It's a school. people studying chemistry outside. There's, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think like if you've been to some of the buildings in McGill, I don't think that the campus is really what makes Harvard special. I mean, it has it has a nice yard, but yeah, no, it's definitely um, if you're expecting something, you know, like Oxford, that's not what you're going to get. Yeah. And do you ever have people like taking photos of you? Because that's one thing I noticed that there were these tourists who were like, anytime they saw students coming out of the buildings, like, oh my God, they're Harvard students. And they were taking photos of them. And 
Like it just seems a bit uncomfortable. So did you ever experience that? Um, I experienced tourists coming up and asking me about Harvard. Um, I don't know that anyone's ever asked to take a picture of me, but um, I mean, it actually, people who live in the yard their freshman year, people take pictures into like bedroom windows, which is like, mm. yeah, I think there's um, like people maybe don't think of Harvard students as people. Um, yeah, <laughs> which kind of allows that kind of thing to happen. But I don't know, I, I like it. I like talking to people who are kind of visiting from all over and want to know about Harvard, yeah. Yeah, that's nice. I'm sure not everyone has that same mindset. So I'm sure people appreciate, you know, when you respond positively to them. <laughs> I hope that most people do. I mean, I think it's easier to respond positively to someone who like asks you what it's like than someone who has their like phone in your window. <laughs> yeah. And when you tell people that you go to Harvard, do you notice like a big shift in the amount of respect that you receive? I mean, I don't go around telling people, like I'll tell them if they ask, but I think like most people um, know, or like most people that I'm meeting in Boston are either, you know, at Harvard or MIT. And so it's kind of um, like, it, it doesn't do much, but um, I think if I'm meeting new people back in Montreal and they find out there's sort of an initial shock, um, I, I don't I don't know maybe they do think differently about me um I think definitely if you go to Harvard and you do a stupid thing occasionally people will definitely say oh you go to Harvard <laughs> but um yeah other than that I don't think I don't think it really changes people's perception of, of me although maybe it does and they just don't show it and I appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> mm, that's interesting like even when um I guess let's say when you were like when uh, everyone got their university or college answers and they were saying I'm going to McGill or I'm going to uh whatever University of Montreal and then you were telling people I'm going to Harvard you you didn't get any oh. kind of, like big reactions like wow <laughs> I did I did get big reactions at Marianopolis I got I got big reactions um I think uh with my professors I mean some of them had like written me letters of recommendation but um but those who hadn't were um were surprised and I think I did take a couple of classes that were really not in my kind of specialty area and I think that those people when they found out were probably quite surprised <laughs> but um yeah no there was definitely a big reaction in Marianopolis um like among the people that I knew uh but yeah in Boston I think not so much just because there is such a huge like student population that it, it's not it's not as kind of different I guess yeah mm. and do you feel like kind of an obligation when you're in public that you have to always look super smart and professional and never <laughs> have any sort of you know like lapse <laughs> um I mean I think just as a person I feel like I try to <laughs> I feel self-conscious about having lapses even before I got into Harvard I was always a little bit self-conscious um so I think that's probably just my personality but um yeah I don't know not not because of Harvard and like I don't think that Harvard like needs my help for its image <laughs> so I don't feel like I really have to have to do it any favors then. but no I do I try to avoid lapses but I don't think that's because of because of Harvard yeah okay and um like what type of people do you think are more suited like they should make Harvard their first choice when they apply versus other IVs and who do you think maybe shouldn't apply to Harvard and should focus more on other IVs? 
Um, I think from my personal experience, the people who get the most out of Harvard are the people who are um, kind of very academically inclined and into research because there are amazing research opportunities at Harvard um, that I think are possibly unparalleled or nearly unparalleled. Um, and so I think if you're that kind of person and you really want to get into a lab and start and start doing research, then it's an amazing option. Um, and also just for the kind of summer opportunities, like I'm here in the summer doing research and a lot of my friends are, and I think that's also an amazing thing that we get like paid to do research. Um, and like at certain points, like in my degree thus far, I've had like three paid research jobs simultaneously. And like that I don't think could really happen in a lot of other schools. Um, so I think if that's who you are and that's what you want to do, and if you're one of those people who either talks about physics constantly or, you know, is really interested in something, then it's, it's a great place. Um, I think if you um, are maybe interested in college for other reasons, like if you um, maybe are into business or kind of if like the sort of academia isn't your um, your main focus, I think that other schools are potentially better um, because, yeah, I think from, from my experience, although, I mean, I'm not necessarily representative of everyone, but um, yeah, no, I, I think that there are probably other places that are um, more tailored to people who, who have that in mind. Yeah. Are, are there kind of like stereotypes in Ivy League circles, like these are the kinds of people who go to Yale or these are the kinds of people who go to Princeton or not really? Yeah, there definitely are. Um, there's a, I mean, there's a Harvard-Yale rivalry that um, it runs deep. Uh, and I, people at Harvard have the idea that people at Yale are very humanities focused. I am personally in the humanities at Harvard. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I don't actually know what other people think about Harvard, but I think Yale is like most people think that it's an amazing place to go for the humanities, which it is. Um, and for Princeton, I think like connections, uh, if you want to go into business or uh, anything really finance related, I think Princeton is a good place to be. Um, but of course, that is as someone who is not in finance. So that's purely from what I what I hear from other people. Yeah. That's interesting. So you're saying Harvard is more like research focused than the other schools? Um, I think Harvard has a lot of focus on giving undergrads research opportunities like mm -hmm. that are relatively easy to access. So I think if you're a great student in any school, you can probably sort of get, get into research in some way. But um, Harvard is really good at like every summer we get <laughs> dozens of emails from like the different Sort of offices at Harvard that will pay you to do research in different areas and like um, you can like just apply to tons of them uh, and then like during the school year there's a portal where you can apply for research jobs and like it's like it's the norm I think um, to sort of go up to professors and like ask for for research opportunities um, and so I think it's probably not that it's not doable elsewhere I think it probably like definitely is um, it's just maybe more more accessible yeah and there's also a lot of budget like for paying us I know that in Canada like undergrad research assistants are either unpaid or not very well paid um, and so that's that's another plus that you do get you you get paid which is really nice mm -hmm.
Do you think it's more like the fact that it's private and there aren't many private universities in Canada? Yeah, I think that's definitely partially it. Um, I think it's also um, maybe just the kind of div division of labor. Like that's definitely a big part, but also just in comparison to other American universities, I think um, from what I've encountered, like professors have sort of trust that they can give you more difficult tasks. Mm -hmm. um, and so you end up being able to do really interesting things. And um, a lot of times sort of undergrads, you know, getting your foot in the door, you're doing kind of more of the menial stuff and sort of um, just kind of figuring out what research is, which is a, an important first step. But, you know, then you kind of want to get into the more um, interesting, thought provoking uh, tasks. And I think that's really, um, that's really a pro of doing research at Harvard that you can you can do that uh, even as an undergrad. And um, I feel really lucky that I've been able to get to do that because I, you know, I get to do really things that I find really, really interesting. Um, yeah. So I get very excited about my job, which I, I don't know. I, I had not had that previously because I think that a lot of times you feel like you get to be excited at, about your job once you're sort of very experienced and you have like degrees under your belt. But um, yeah, no, I think that's, that's one of the big things. Yeah. So like, what do you actually do? when you, you say that you're doing research this summer, like you you get to the, I don't know if it's a, like a lab or just a, a room or whatever facility, like what do you, once you get there, what do you actually do? Like, what are your tasks? Um, I've had a lot of tasks. Um, I'm working in sort of the government building. So it's the Institute for Quantitative Social Sciences, um, which is, I mean, labs, it can be like dry labs, wet labs. So um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, unclear exactly what, what to call it, but I get there and um, yeah, pretty much all day I'll do either lit review. So I've been reading recently about the history of plagiarism sort of starting as early as I could find sources. Um, and then I was also doing a review of like 120 cognitive biases, reading literature about those and how uh, being in a collective um, could maybe mediate or um, solve them to a certain degree. And I've also done a lot of data analysis in R, um, which is very interesting. Uh, I've coded, um, <laughs> I've coded text on cholera, um, like that's literally in the past two weeks. Uh, okay. So, yeah, that's some of the stuff that I do. Um, but it's a lot of reading, it's a lot of writing, and it's a lot of data analysis, and all of those I like. So, yeah. And how independent is it? Um. Well quite independent in the sense that, I mean, well, I mean, if I need help, I can definitely ask for it. Um, but um, yeah, I'm, well, I'm not actually sure. What, what do you mean by independent? Like, I mean, the let's say the topics that you choose to study or the actual papers that you end up reading, is that because your supervisor told you read these papers or? You oh, no. Them? So I'll get a task, we use Asana, which is like a task management service. And like she'll put in in Asana that she needs, you know, a review of cognitive biases, and then I'll find like 120 cognitive biases, and then read the literature that I find on like Google Scholar or like Hollis, which is our portal. Um, yeah, and then get that back to her when I'm when I'm done. So it's sort of a like one sentence prompt generally, and then I'll sort of run with it. Yeah. Okay, and do you think that there's less like, competition to get into research because it's so much more available? 
than in other schools? Hmm. I think there's a lot of competition for certain areas. Um, and I think, I mean, one job that I applied to that I was working at last year, um, the application progress uh, process. So I originally sent in my CV cover letter, my transcript um, so far, and then they got back and they did like a first round of interviews. And then they sent us a bunch of tasks, like coding tasks that we had to do and sort of send back what we had coded as well as a, a sort of smaller review task. And then once they like shuffled through those tasks, they gave us another interview. And then after that, we sort of heard who got the job. Um, and so that kind of very long process, like over the course of months to get into that lab, um, made me think that it's probably like, uh, it was probably tight. Um, but I mean, that was my experience for one of the jobs that I had. And in the other cases, um, I didn't actually apply. Like I was taking courses with people whose work interested me um, and sort of they ended up like emailing me or they were looking for research assistance. And so it kind of worked out. Okay. Um, yeah. But I mean, all of the, all of my friends have kind of gotten into the labs that they were interested in. Um, so I think it's definitely possible. Yeah, and I know people who are at McGill and um, at other American universities as well. And it sort of, it hasn't like worked that smoothly um, just because I think at Harvard, it's maybe just because it's a little bit smaller. Um, yeah, there is a little bit less competition, but it's still, um, you have to be interested in what you're applying for, yeah. Yeah, I think from what I've seen in McGill, if you, you wanna do undergrad research, either you have to be like maybe in the top 5%, of the mm -hmm. program or if it's a topic that is not very you know like i don't know what word to use but there's not necessarily a lot of interest in then yeah. sometimes you could just go up to the professor and he'll he or she will let you but yeah yeah i guess though there's a lot you don't have to be just in the top five percent to get research opportunities at harvard is that kind of like how it is yeah yeah um i think well, I, I mean, I definitely don't think you have to be in the top 5%. Um, but yeah, I think most of the people who are very interested in research and like that's what they want to do with their time because there are a lot of people who just do like extracurriculars, like they'll join like Harvard University Consulting Group or like things like that that are also like very difficult to get into, probably more difficult than research. Um, and sort of that's how they'll spend their time. So I think the people who are trying to get into research are kind of, self-selected for being um, maybe really into like school or the work that they're doing in the classroom in particular. Um, but yeah, I, I probably couldn't speak to like a, a percentile. I just, like, I think it probably is like more common than a lot of other schools, yeah. How would you say like in general, your, your Harvard experience has been so far? Very positive, I love it. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's been amazing. Uh, I think in the beginning, I had a little bit of imposter syndrome, but I've heard since that every single other person experienced that. Um, and yeah, it was it was also it was a shock, honestly, um, coming from CJEP to university, not academically so much, because I think that, you know, Marianopolis or other CJEPs really gave us like a leg up. Um, but kind of in terms of just adjusting to this like new culture and new way of doing things. And a lot of 
American students have this sort of um, like common set of knowledge and common experiences in high school taking APs and all that stuff. Um, and so since then though, I think um, my kind of view of myself as part of the whole has evolved. And originally I felt like I was this individual kind of lost at sea in a sea of other people. And um, now I kind of think of myself in terms of uh, where I am in the whole. And I think that that's been very good for my mental health. Um, and also just for feeling like uh, positive about contributing uh, to the community. Um, and maybe feeling a little bit less stressed too, because there's a lot of stress um, and kind of feeling like you are part, part of something rather than kind of on your own is definitely helpful in that. Um, and that's something that Harvard really helps with, I think. They, they really tried to make you feel like you're part of the whole. Um, and I, I think that they succeed in a lot of ways. Um, so that's been really nice. And I mean, now this summer, I'm like living with my friends and it's great. So yeah, very positive. And how long do you think it took for, because you, you were saying that Harvard does a lot to help with imposter syndrome, right? And make you feel like mm -hmm. you belong. So how long does it take for them to, to get you out of that mindset that, you know, maybe you kind of slip through the cracks and make you actually believe that, you know, like if yeah. what 50% of people were accepted and, and I was obviously I deserve to be here. Right. Like how long does it take to go from one to the other? Um, I think it really depends on the person. I think in my first semester I took, all seminars, which was helpful for me in some ways because it allowed me to kind of, you know, get to know people. Um, uh, but at the same time, I was taking seminars um, that were like not intended for freshmen. <laughs> like one of them was, but the other three were not. Um, and so I think that like that maybe was a little bit of, um, it was a different kind of experience. But um, yeah, it sort of at the beginning made me feel really terrified. Um, and then as the semester went on, it kind of everything changed and I started to feel like I actually did belong in these classes and then feeling that I actually did belong in classes that were not just freshmen, but were also kind of like juniors and seniors um, really helped my feeling of like, okay, I should be here and like, I know what this is about and I don't have to worry about you know, no longer being a freshman and taking the harder classes because I kind of, I feel like I have a handle on it. And so it made my kind of first two months very difficult um, and like uh, quite stressful. Uh, and then after that, I think it made my adjustment um, better maybe than it otherwise would have been, yeah. Interesting. And um, so basically, would you say that Harvard deserves the reputation that they have around the world? Um, <laughs> that is a tough one. Um, I think that Harvard is an amazing place, but I also know that there are so many universities that are also amazing places. And so I think that, um, I don't know that it's like, in all honesty, if you're going to Yale, if you're going to Princeton, if you're going to pretty much any good school, I don't think that like the distinction is probably that huge. And it definitely is not that big in terms of the quality of your professors and like the quality of your courses. I think that there are some things that set Harvard apart. 
uh, one of which is just like the crazy number of opportunities to take, take seminars, like having, like being able to still, I like try to almost just take seminars and seminars are like eight to 12 people. And so the opportunity to be in classes like that, I think is probably pretty unique. Um, and then the other thing is just like um, the people, like the, the your fellow students um, is really amazing. I don't, I mean, <laughs> I feel like um, I've been really lucky and I've gotten kind of to know amazing people um, who, I don't know, just impress me on a daily basis. And I know that like you can find that at a lot of other schools, but this kind of concentration of this like really interesting people, um, it's crazy here. So yeah, I've been enjoying that, but I don't know that Harvard deserves this reputation in terms of like top of the heat, but I would, I mean, from my biased opinion, I would say it's probably up there in terms of like student experience, yeah. Mm. And speaking of like having a high concentration of very impressive people, do you think that people that like Harvard students end up being successful later in life because that Harvard somehow transforms them into successful people? Or is it just the fact that, you know, you're kind of in a environment with a bunch of successful people in the first place, and then they just leave that environment and pursue things and it goes well? Yeah, um, that is tough. I mean, I think that like if I had gone to McGill, I mean, I would be pretty much the same person. Um, and like, I know people at McGill who are doing like really cool things. Um, and I think that those are probably the same people who would be doing really cool things at Harvard. Um, I think that one thing that Harvard probably does give you is like, like a good kind of think tank space. Like if you have an idea of something you want to do, there are definitely going to be like a dozen other people who like really want to do that with you. Um, and so that's probably something that contributes to people being successful. Um, and it's like pretty easy to find those people. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the name also, I mean, if you're like applying for jobs, um, then yeah, I'm in all honesty, I think the name is probably, probably helpful. Um, but I don't, I don't know how much Harvard really changes people more than another school would. Um, mm. I think it maybe makes people more confident. I mean, I feel, um, more confident in my abilities than I did when I arrived, definitely. Um, so that's potentially something, but yeah, I, I really, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I guess I'll probably find out when I'm on the job market. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I guess like, so you mentioned that, let's say if you have a business idea, you're saying that it's probably a lot easier than in other places to get a few people and try to do a startup or something like that. I think so. I think, I mean, Harvard has like startup funding. And mm -hmm. like, if you're someone who's interested in startups, you can take seminar classes where they like teach you how to start your startup and where you're going to like meet people who want to start startups. And like, um, so I think there's a lot of help for people who want to do that kind of thing. And even if it's not a start startup, even if it's like a research project that you're like really into, then you're going to take courses with people who are also really into that. Um, and people kind of um, like people sort of have their own path of, of what they're really interested in, but um, they are very interested in what they're interested in. And so I think that sort of contributes to people being able to find these kind of like niche groups and being able to um, push ideas forward with people who are interested. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I also agree with the brand because at the end of the day, as much as we 
might want to avoid it. I think it's kind of impossible to completely. Like, you know, if I had to hire people and I got like two resumes and one was from Harvard and one was from, I don't know, like Ohio State or something, it, it would be hard. Like, obviously, I would look at both of them. But it's kind of hard to get rid of like the voice in the back of your head saying like, obviously Harvard, you know, so I think that's yeah. something that maybe gives you an edge as well. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily like, I think I don't think it's fair. Yeah. Um, no. But yeah, I think that's probably the reality. But I mean, in like, if I'm competing with people who are coming from um, school that's sort of considered to be on par with Harvard and I think that's also something that I found out when I came here that sort of depending where you are there are different schools that are kind of seen as being like on par so I think if you're applying for a job at Stanford then California schools are kind of top of the heap in their mind and if you're applying on the east coast like different schools are at the top of different people's heaps um and so I think Harvard will get you like up there on the list but um it varies so I think if you're if you're at a good school, then you're you're where you need to be if that's what you're kind of if that's what you're hoping for. Um, but like up name wise, yeah. Mm. And um, also a lot of people in their teenage years, you know, like they dedicate a lot of their time to trying to get into elite schools like Harvard or other Ivies or Stanford or MIT or places like that. You know, sometimes like sleepless nights and a lot of crying and but at the end of the day yeah. say that this is something that they should be doing that they should be pouring so much energy into or not so much um I think pour energy into what you love doing and if an Ivy League is what's going to end up happening that's what's going to end up happening um I think that I did things that I was genuinely interested in and like considering that I did not think that Ivies were a possibility that was not my goal uh, in doing those things um yeah I mean honestly I think that that's like don't cry over getting into school like um it's easier to say now in hindsight but um yeah I think do what you love doing and oftentimes that's kind of the easy easiest way to get in because you know if you're trying to like force yourself to be super interested in math that's just like it's not going to work because there are people who are, genuine, who are genuinely super interested and who want to spend all their time doing that so do what you are genuinely interested in. And I think the rest will will follow. Yeah. So do you have like a, a thing like that that you think kind of helped your application that you were really interested in? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I want to go into mental health policy. Um, I had done, you know, Model UN at Marianopolis. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I had also like, sewed like 27 dresses for a fashion show and I had like I had this kind of eclectic group of experiences um and I mean I had like written a paper um like originally in high school but then I um I published it um and so I think that probably also helped me um but yeah I mean all of those things were kind of on their own um I just had these like they say that you should be like a pointy person that you should have like one one strength um I don't think I was necessarily that person I think maybe my point is like writing um but I kind of just had done these things that I really wanted to do um and like devoted a lot of time and effort to them but like 
yeah, never, never in my mind was it kind of trying to trying to build the ideal application. I think you should just kind of do what you want to do. And then when you're actually writing the application, figure out like what picture it paints. But um, yeah, don't don't do it the other way around, I would say. I think that's really good advice. Because I have a feeling like the people that force their, themselves to doing things that they really don't like, it's just kind of hard to make it seem like it's genuine. Yeah. Like, like if you know you're saying I'm doing I don't know I founded at three clubs and I and I'm volunteering at seven places and I, yeah. and I, you know it's at one point it's like you know are you really doing that because you want to or you're just trying to look like somebody else right yeah and like I think they like I think they honestly see through people like they have to read literally thousands of applications so yeah and I mean also I think that maybe if you're trying to build an application there's the idea that there's this kind of formulaic thing, but people are like, if you're trying to be formulaic, then you're probably going to overlap with a lot of other applicants in, in what you're doing. Um, so it can potentially be a detriment, but um, yeah, I mean, not that I've kind of talked to the application committee, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think people should do what they enjoy partially because I'm interested in mental health, but yeah. Mm. Oh, I, I agree with that I think that's good advice and I hope people do that instead of the reverse too. Yeah. yeah and you're also not going to be happy when you get here if you didn't actually like doing anything that you did yeah yeah I don't yeah that, that's true because like one thing I've noticed with things that are considered prestigious is that once you you know, like either once you start or once you, if it's an object, once you have it or anything like that, you know, after maybe a month, it just becomes your new reality, right? So yeah. if it's not something that you actually like, then you're, you know, it's what's the point, right? Yeah. How long are you going to no, be excited when you look at your LinkedIn for like a year? Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> no, I think that people should always choose to do things that they're kind of continuously amazed by. Um, but I think there's also something something to be said for just like um, doing something where like the difficulty of it is more tolerable for you than mm -hmm. it is for other people. Like, because there's always going to be difficulty. So I think the people who really like math, it's not that they're like, they never kind of bump into a wall. It's that like the wall doesn't feel as terrible to them as it does to like someone like me, for example, who got very frustrated in my classes. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, yeah, if there's something that you feel like you can like, you can deal with it even on the bad days, that's probably a good indication. Mm -hmm. And how is your actual day-to-day -day life like at Harvard and in Cambridge? Like how are, you know, the, the dorms, the professors, the people you meet, the facilities, the city itself, like just like, how is it actually like once you get through the barrier of prestige and things like that, how is it actually like? Um, I mean, um, to me, the, like, the sort of, like, aura never really faded because, um, because of, like, my fellow students who I'm, like, continuously impressed by, and also the professors who I think are, like, doing, like, crazy cool things, and the grad students who are also doing crazy cool things. So, to me, that's just, like, um, like, I, I feel that every day, and so that's, part never really faded um but I mean I think my day-to-day -day life I don't actually go into Boston 
to like see the city very much if I'm being totally honest um I like get up my dorm I actually really like my dorm I'm in the only Harvard dorm that was built kind of semi-modern so it was built in the 70s it's like brutalist but I find it like kind of beautiful it's grown on me and it's um yeah it's made me more fond of brutalism than I used to be but most of the other dorms are kind of the like red brick kind of thing um and then I mean I go to the gym that's another nice thing we have gyms in our buildings um and uh then like we have dining halls in all the houses too um and then I'll like go to class usually I try to do my classes like first thing in the morning four days a week um and that means I'm basically like if I do like four courses I'm like done by noon Monday through Thursday and I get Fridays off um and uh yeah and then in the afternoons I'll do research mostly um and I mean I also have time for other things I do a lot of ceramics so I like there's a Harvard ceramics program we like like you learn how to use the wheel and like make bases and all that stuff so I do a lot of that um and um what else I mean I I do like the Harvard International Reviews so I'm an editor for that and um, I also write articles. Um, yeah, um, but I think honestly, research probably takes up takes up the bulk of my time outside of classes and then like homework. Um, and yeah, I mean, I take a lot of paper writing courses, so that means a lot of time in the libraries. And um, yeah, I mean, in the evenings, I hang out with my roommates, who I'm very fond of. Um, and we'll like get dinner together and that's usually my day yeah are there any like famous um, restaurants or cafes or bars or anything like that with Harvard students yeah <laughs> I mean I think I feel like this is like a classic college town thing like Cambridge is like slightly outside of Boston you have to like cross a bridge so it's its own kind of little like sphere um but yeah, people, there are two Mexican restaurants in Harvard Square and everyone has chosen one and decided that the other one sucks. And so Harvard has divided itself into two camps along the lines of which Mexican restaurant you like better. Um, yeah. Mm. But other than that, I mean, there are some bars around that are really fun. There's the Thirsty Scholar, which is exactly how it sounds. Um, and yeah, I mean... Mexican food and bars is the college so yeah <laughs> and um kind of so far we've spoken a lot about the positives do you think there are any kind of downsides to attending Harvard that some people might overlook when they're applying I mean I'm sure that people are not overlooking the cost that I think is probably the major downside for a lot of people although Harvard does have really good aid um so um yeah but in terms of things that people don't notice um I think one thing is probably um just needing to kind of reframe your self-concept because I think um coming out of high school or CJEP I think kind of people who are like feel like they're good at school you feel like you have to be good at everything like all your classes um and once you get to somewhere where you're kind of surrounded by people who are the best in their own fields, like you might be very good at like, I don't know, English or math or whatever, but if you're the best at math, you're probably not also going to be the best at English. And like, so people kind of have to divide off. And I think that that sort of makes you, yeah, reframe your idea of, 
of who you are and kind of start to see yourself as um as part of the whole um and maybe as a more like unique individual um because everyone's contributing something different and there are things that like amazing things that people are contributing that I mean personally I like I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and he's like a lot of the people that I'm like that I'm friends with do sort of like quantum computing or like quantum physics and so they're kind of explaining what they do to me and like I have no idea what any of it is because that's not my area but it's really interesting for me to hear about it and it's kind of um I think in the beginning that that's like a shock because you feel like you're surrounded with people who know things that you don't and that's kind of scary and then eventually it becomes um a positive but that is a negative that I think that people don't expect in the beginning yeah so are you, are you saying like because there's people a lot of people that are very specialized and passionate compared to other places that it kind of catches you off guard yeah I think it it catches you off guard like the amount of things that you don't know when you first arrive um because like you're not just I mean like I don't know from what I've heard from people in McGill although you can correct me um, like people tend to like take courses with people in their majors um, and so I think at Harvard it's a little bit different because people kind of take courses all over the place and like you're in freshman dorms with people where you're like all mixing together and like people don't already have friends coming in so I think there's like a lot of mixing between majors in terms of like friend groups and stuff um, but uh, so yeah I think that that contributes to kind of um, like a realization that like you're a very like unique person and that other people are contributing things that like um are like so far out of your like realm when you arrive um but that becomes a positive so it's just like something to consider that in the beginning it may be difficult and then it gets better yeah maybe is like i i guess the reason why because you are kind of right about that in mcgill the only thing i could think of is that mcgill is kind of very strict on the curriculums like they for my program they even have a list you know like fall 2023 take these six courses and then okay, yeah you no know, winter 2024 take these and maybe one elective out of these five you know yeah, okay so maybe yeah. I'm not sure if Harvard is like that but maybe if it's more lenient that could kind of lead yeah. to that yeah I mean I think like most majors have like two required classes although it really that really depends actually because if you're in math or something then like you really have to build up so then it's different but like if you're kind of taking history courses or you're taking government courses like you can pretty much do whatever you want um so there ends up being a lot of mixing and there's actually like you're required to take courses outside of your major um so that also contributes to that yeah mm. I kind of wish that was the case for us. Yeah, <laughs> it's really nice. It It is really nice to try new things. Um, yeah. And like, I, I'm like biased because I'm like into the humanities, but I think that everyone should be like taking at least like a history course or philosophy class um, because it's just like, it makes you think differently. And um, yeah, no, it's, it's really great. Yeah, I agree. Like, I'm in engineering and there's this one class that everybody has to take in engineering. That's a communication class. And okay. most people yeah. hate it. They're like a, the worst class I ever had to do. And I honestly loved it because the thing is like people say again and again, that communication is even more important than like technical skills and math. Yeah. 
and engineering students kind of love to stick to their equations and <laughs> and they don't necessarily like to be pushed out of their comfort zone like doing powerpoint presentations and mm. writing papers but i think that we should be forced to be out of our comfort zone more i think that would yeah. be better definitely and like for me learning to code was like definitely out of my comfort zone and that was something that a lot of other people had experience with and like i that was daunting but now it's a lot of fun and I really enjoy it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think like make doing presentations, like that is something that like everyone has to do. And like, it's hard to be good at presenting. So yeah, that's also, that, that's a big deal. How did you learn how to code? I mean, I took classes. Okay. Um, yeah, I like, we have like a quantitative reasoning requirement and like for like, social science uh, concentrations you have to sort of, sort of learn data analysis and then after I taken classes I was applying for research jobs and those required me to code as well and so I mean there's still a lot of like stack overflow googling um on the fly but yeah it's definitely like gotten to feel a lot more comfortable than it was and I mean at the beginning I was like in Montreal over Christmas break like panicking because I was gonna have to take this course that required coding and like I was on the verge of tears because I couldn't even get it to run properly on my computer. And I was just anticipating failing this class. Um, and I spent literally like 15 hours a week in office hours for the entire semester for that class to like figure it out. Um, but it ended up, ended up like going well. And now I feel like really good about the, the subject matter. So things, yeah. things work out like even when it's out of your comfort zone. Um, yeah. And um the last thing that I want to end with. So two different groups of people. So for incoming Harvard freshmen, and then for people that got rejected by Harvard, what advice would you give to both of those groups? I think for people coming into Harvard, I would say, um, like, try to cultivate relationships with professors whose work you're interested in. Um, because I think that's probably how you how you mostly get research jobs. Um, and also just like, really try to spend time with your peers because um, they're like really fascinating people. So don't be afraid um, to kind of meet as many people as you can um, and take courses that you're genuinely interested in. Like do not start freshman year taking your requirements that you're dreading because already like the transition to freshman year can be like a little bit difficult. Um, so take courses that you're gonna genuinely enjoy. And then um, for people who didn't get into Harvard, I mean, I would say like, do not worry about it because I mean, I I heard this somewhere or read it, but one of the people in the like Harvard admissions committee had said like, we could admit a totally other 5% of the people that like of the applicant pool and we would get like an equally capable class. So at a certain point, it's pretty much a lottery. Um, and like, even though um, it sort of feels like the, the investment is maybe high if you're writing an application, um, writing the application is really good um, preparation for future applications that you write. So that work is has not gone to waste. Um, and like, yeah, I mean, in the same way that you wouldn't cry if your lottery ticket amounted to nothing, um, like you don't really need to feel bad about not getting to Harvard because it's like, yeah, you can do amazing things elsewhere. It's a numbers game, so yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much. It was really interesting to learn 
about Harvard and like from an actual, you know, true perspective, not from speculation. And I'm sure a lot of people will appreciate it as well. So thank you so much. No problem. I mean, I definitely, I know like when I was applying to Harvard, I was like Googling all the day in the life videos that I could because I really wanted to like know what it was like. So I'm happy to talk to anyone who, who wants to know about it and is feeling stressed about it maybe.